Hey everyone, uh, Colby here, really quick, uh, before the episode gets started, just wanted to make a quick note, um, this episode was recorded before the, uh, fantastic intro music you're about to hear was written and recorded, um, by today's guest, uh, Evan McHugh, um, and so that is why, uh, it's never mentioned <laughs> throughout this entire episode, but wanted to give Evan, um, the credit where he absolutely deserves it for writing an incredible song, um, that you were about to hear. Uh, one more quick, quick note. Um, I realize now that I'm editing this episode, uh, I forgot to to give a shout out, a big thank you to um, the listener and friend of mine who submitted uh, this episode's topic. And that person is uh, Seth McKay. So thanks again, Seth, for submitting. And uh, for everybody else, please make sure you give uh, the S'more Stories Instagram a follow uh, so that you can submit topics whenever I reach out. All right, everyone, enjoy the episode. How's about we write some more stories? How's about we tell some more tales? Gather around the fire, maybe read for just a while, and we'll listen to the stories unveiled. Oh, we'll see if we succeeded writing stories no one needed from suggestions that you. Hello, and welcome to S'more Stories, uh, where bite-sized stories become fun size. <laughs> it's a work in progress. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a new slogan at the beginning of every episode. They're all gonna be bad. Just a heads up. I think that'll be a fun tradition for me. My name is Colby McHugh. I am your host. Sure. Creator. Sure. Why not? If you are unaware and didn't listen to the first episode, uh, and you're wondering what S'more Stories is all about, it is a project that essentially is an excuse for me to write more and make myself write more and give myself a little bit of accountability to go along with that too by by sharing things with uh, you, my many, many listeners. They're of the tens. I hope, I hope there are tens. I hope, I hope we get that far. <laughs> um, but... The fun part I think about this project of S'more Stories is that for this episode and hopefully every episode from now on, there will be a guest. I will have somebody else to to write a story with me, a bite-sized story, a flash fiction, you might say, uh, generally less than a thousand words, although myself nor our guest uh, were able to, to really uh, fall within those limitations for this one. That, that's okay. That's okay. This is just a fun project. Um, and... For this episode and for all of the other episodes as well, we will uh, have our guest pick a topic from a pool of topics that uh, has been submitted to me, thanks to, again, our many listeners. Uh, many thanks to you guys. Thanks, chat, uh, on Twitch. We're not on Twitch. That's a joke. Not yet, at least. And I have put all of those amazing topics, ideas, random words, phrases, uh, some kind of gross, some kind of great. I appreciate all of them. They are in a pool of ideas for our guests to pick. I will periodically reach out on social media for more topics because who doesn't like weird prompts to write about? Um, and so for this first official episode of S'more Stories, I am honored to be joined by uh, my older brother, Evan McHugh. Hello. Hi, hi, hi. Let me brag about you for a little bit before we get started because I didn't actually do an intro now that I'm thinking about it. Okay. Evan is... Uh, not only a talented designer and artist, but he is a songwriter and has been a songwriter for 
most of my life, <laughs> as far as I can remember. Evan has always been musical, uh, always been into stories and into ideas, but has used those writing skills in songwriting forms. And so not only am I excited to have Evan on here because we have a lot in common in terms of the things that we like and the kinds of stories that we like, but I don't know if I've ever actually read something that you've written that's not a song now that I'm thinking about it. That's fair. And so I was so excited to, when when I was coming up with this idea for S'more Stories, Evan was one of the first people I thought of because unfortunately he didn't get the chance to come on to Cellar Dwellers, uh, although he would have been a great guest. Evan is a big horror fan, right? I am, yes. Um, and so didn't quite make it onto Cellar Dwellers. So of course, you're the first guest on, on S'more Stories. So thank you for being here. Well, I'm honored. I am honored uh, to um, try to stretch my ability to write songs into something that is a little bit longer yeah i don't know i don't know if, if you've ever written kind of a, a rock opera or anything that's gonna be like more than uh you know a couple hundred words maybe <laughs> no no uh, I, I feel like a rock opera would be i would be terrible at yeah hey, you never know until you try this isn't this isn't not a podcast about saying of, of can'ts <laughs> this is a podcast of yet's <laughs> you haven't written a rock opera yet my friend true 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 it might be terrible. We'll see when I write it. I cannot wait already. Now, one of the things that I am super excited about for, for every guest that I bring on, regardless of if they've ever written anything in their lives, I want to talk about kind of your, your history, your past with storytelling. Um, how did you kind of get into writing and writing songs specifically? Good question. It feels so long ago at this point. We, won't, we don't have to reveal how old you are. No, 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 no. No, um, no, 20s, whatever. Yeah, t- exactly. <laughs> Every- you just graduated high school. All podcast people are in their 20s, I think. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Exclusively, yes. forever. Um, the gray, the grays in our beards uh, says otherwise. They don't exist. True. Uh, not, not to the listener, at least. Um, the uh, oh, That's a great question. How did I get into writing, songwriting specifically? Um so our uh, older sister, Erin, was already songwriting, um, and she much more musically talented than than me. And uh, me. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, but specifically, uh, I saw her sort of going through this process of starting to write songs, starting to carve out stories, some of them personal, some of them felt a little bit more uh, fiction-based uh, and um, and Aaron's always been an English person, a writer. She likes words. Uh, she's good at communicating. Uh, and so I was always a little bit jealous of that, of her ability to do that. And I always kind of felt like I could do that. I didn't feel like I couldn't, but it was definitely a slow start getting the courage to write something, get getting the... Uh, cultivating the ability to actually like write down emotions and uh, tell a story based on personal experiences um, and be vulnerable, even though I'm still not very good at it. We're working on it. It's a work in progress. Yeah. For all of us. Therapy. Yeah. Shout out to therapy. Shout out to therapy. When, do you remember how old you were when you first wrote your, when you wrote your first song? I think I was, I think I was 18 ish. Um, in high school or in college? I think it was right in between. Nice. I think it was probably summer between, because um, I know I had a couple 
of songs coming into freshman year uh, at the University of Georgia where I went and uh, getting somehow brave enough to go to an open mic night and sound terrible, I'm sure. Uh, What song did you sing? I think it a was a Dave Matthews song. I, no, no, it was an it was an original. Oh hell yeah! It was uh, I, I honestly I I've never felt like I was musical enough to be able to pull off very well covers. Sure. Stop. Uh, yeah the the cover thing is is hard, um, and it feels like I, I don't give it justice enough. That's probably also me being hard on myself, but at the same time, that's another common trait among us McHughes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You're getting a glimpse into our our lives yeah a lot of a lot of self-hate that creates art <laughs> oh yeah hey i'm mining it now i'm just getting into it a little bit later you know what, what i'm interested in is also because obviously you've always loved stories and reading and movies and uh and and all kinds of of different ideas what did you ever think about trying to write like fiction or because obviously you like writing but mm-hmm. you channeled that into songwriting was there ever any desire to to channel that into something else creatively Yes, and it made me terrified. Uh, I think writing songs felt like something that was small enough that I could sort of bite off a little bit at a time and feel accomplished, even if the song wasn't good. Um, You know, there's so much that goes into the songwriting process and the end result of a song that even if the words are great or the story's great, you could pick all of the right things, but if the melody's terrible or it just doesn't go anywhere musically then it can fall flat. And I think that, you know, there is, uh, that's one thing that poetry actually gives you the opportunity to not have to feel like you're relying on your ability to create amazing music. Um, The the words themselves are kind of music. They're kind of notes um, in a way. uh, And they give you those sort of flavors um, and up and down moments. And they can kind of stand on their own. Now, Getting someone to read your poetry is virtually impossible. Um, hence, putting them into song form and going to play shows and uh, and making people listen to them. It's kind of yeah. I mean, they're hopefully they're not against their will. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but at the same time, it is uh, a way to get immediate feedback that tells you sort of if you're doing well or not. Um, and you know, rarely you get booed off the stage. Um, But a lot of times there's, you know, three people in the audience and two of them casually get up and walk out the room (laughs) while you're playing. That's just the life of a of a singer songwriter. Anybody who's played in bands, it's uh, you have those moments. I as somebody who has been to many, many shows of yours uh, in Atlanta and Nashville all over the place, uh, sometimes I've been one of those like four people (laughs) in the crowd. (laughs) Hey, you sounded great, though. I remember those. No, it's true. It's uh, it happened. Um, People. People react differently, but it's good to see all of those forms, the good and the bad, the positive and the negative is all actually really good feedback to know uh, where you should go next. And, you know, songwriting is one of those things where it's small enough to where you can always sort of have a couple songs going Mm -hmm. at the same time. And, you know, that's you get stuck, move on to another one, put it down for a little bit, Um, you know, put the guitar down, pick up the piano, don't pick it up, but... It's very, I'm very strong. You're very strong. That's a cool brag, actually. <laughs> um, I, I don't recommend it. Uh, to Do you have a bad back? Yeah. <laughs> Lift from the waist. I think, what? Knees. 
don't lift with your back. Don't lift with your back, I think, is the thing. That's what you did, and that's how you got a bad back. <laughs> I was getting it, yeah. Um, I, I think <laughs> the idea of, what well, you mentioned feedback, and I think what I'm noticing as I'm kind of diving more into writing and into sharing things that I've written, which, you know, for a long time I didn't really, but now I'm getting more comfortable with it. Obviously, go go check out Kill Collins if you haven't already. Definitely. What I'm seeking out more is, like, I want feedback. Like, I want people to tell me, like, did you enjoy this? Was there, did you laugh at this one part? Did you laugh at any part? You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's what I'm seeking out a lot, too. And you're right, with music, I never th- thought about it this way, but you're getting immediate feedback just by their, like, body language and reactions. They're not, they don't have to say, they don't have to give you notes to know if you, to tell you if they appreciate it or not, right? The, it, no, no. They're sort of you. You get uh, you get an honest reaction regardless of whether they are giving you words. <laughs> uh, you can kind of tell by their body language, um, and and you know that's cool. I think that that makes you feel like you won. I mean, it's a little bit of uh, you know, kind of like being a stand-up comic and trying a joke out, and the room will tell you if it's good. Um, and uh, that's that's fun, but it only happens if you're playing shows. Uh, Otherwise, if you're not playing a lot of shows, and in this day and age, not a lot of people are playing shows, um, you know, it's it's not a great way to be a millionaire. Uh, so um, there are other ways to get your music out there, and sometimes they're slower, and sometimes it takes a while to get feedback. Also, uh, like you've seen, I'm sure, sending stories out, getting someone to read or listen to the thing that you send them to get feedback sometimes sits in their... Uh, probably already read pile and they forgot about it <laughs> that, that i've noticed that a lot and and it's one of the th- those things that i like i never want to fault anybody for not like wanting to read something that i've sent but like i just love that feedback so much that i, I want to know anything um because i'm in the editing process of, of kill collins volume two right now and i think everything i've written is great <laughs> for it so i need somebody to be like hey this part sucks take it out yeah you know and i love i love hearing that from anybody and so I think it's so interesting to compare that with the feedback you get from as a musician because it's so different and and so like visceral almost. Yeah, it is. It's very. It's very. Uh, it could be heartbreaking, um, and it can be also uh, liberating and freeing and very encouraging and makes you keep going. Um, and we should say we're in Nashville right now. This is we are in Evan's studio. We are actually true studio in in, in the backyard. Uh, it, looks, it feels great in here. If you're wondering why it's, why my voice is so crisp, that's why. <laughs> the room is very quiet. The room is very quiet. It's very peaceful in here. Um, and so you're you're in a city full of musicians, which yes. I think is really interesting, and also adds to a lot of like co-writing and writing with other people that I know you've done a lot of. Yeah, I have, and it is a different process completely. Yeah, uh, it feels uh, in some ways more vulnerable. Because you have to sort of mine your ideas live and have those conversations with someone who is reacting to the things that are coming out of your mouth. Um, and uh, again, another really good way to learn on the fly what is working and what isn't working. Um, I think I've always, uh, I don't know if this is a phrase that anyone else has used, but I've always thought that uh, writing a song with someone, the co-writing process, you immediately know uh better um if something is working because if if you like the idea and you move forward with it and you finish the song then you at least know the two people in the world like that idea uh when you write something by yourself there is the 
possibility that you were the only person that likes the thing that you were writing. That's what that's what significant others are great for. <laughs> Brittany will always tell me if she likes something. And that's one bit of feedback that I always appreciate. Shout out to Brittany. <laughs> it is true. It is true. It's good to it's good to get uh, people in your life that will give you sort of the their unadulterated, cold, hard facts about what it is that they think that you're doing or trying to do. Because uh, a lot of times they see it way, way different than you do. We were talking about this last night. We were on your porch shooting some hoops and on a little mini mini goal that you have for, mm-hmm. your, for your very great uh, kids that love shooting hoops yeah. in the backyard. Uh, we were talking and I, I had asked how many songs you had had if you had to estimate how many songs you've written in your life or really started put time into uh and the number kind of astounded me <laughs> I, I i had a guess in my head uh what was that number again i think i said 400 yeah which is crazy and you said that you had at least evidence of at least 150 of those which is very cool yeah definitely demos if we wanted to make this podcast really boring i could take you through a bunch of terrible terrible sounding demos oh i would love to hear all of that i'm sure our listeners would as well <laughs> uh, um do you, you ever say, do you, you ever, say that now <laughs> that's fair that's fair i will ask you this do you ever go back and listen to your old demos i do yeah it's uh it's actually an interesting uh way to sort of m- like mine your own ideas in a way because they're already out there i have you know notebooks you know my notes on my uh, my iPhone app um, notes has like all kinds of lyrics and just phrases and words that have have thought oh that would be cool to work in uh, to a song, but uh, sometimes it also <laughs> can get make you completely lost because like you it will take you back you know I'll, I'll like it'll send me back immediately to like ten years ago where I was what I was doing I was probably riding in the car. Um, you know, with my phone trying to record a voice memo at a stoplight, you can hear the car noise in the background. Maybe it's, a, it's like a snapshot. It, it really is. And it, it takes you back there. And sometimes you think, oh, that was a cool idea. Why did I not finish that? Or why did I not take that? And then sometimes you listen to them and you think, um, oh, th- that's why I didn't finish that. <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. I understand why I moved on. Like, yeah, it was a uh, it was a moment. Sure, and I think that's really interesting too because I I have a, a, a few different ways of keeping ideas around, whether it's by a notebook or in my notes on my phone, like different stuff like that. Uh, and I love going back and reading old ideas that I wrote down like five years ago because some of them are so funny and weird that I'm like, even if I never do anything with this, I want to remember that I wrote this down, even if I don't even remember the context of it. Mm-hmm. That's some of the funniest stuff, like the funniest jokes that I, I'll tell Brittany. She'll be like, where where'd you come up with that? And I said, I don't know. I wrote it down on my phone six years ago. And it's gone. Like, the, the context is gone. But that idea is still there. <laughs> and I love that. That's cool. And, and that feels, those feel, uh, I think they can feel fresh again when you just put them away and leave them there until you need them. Do you ever think about, so with, with your, like, 400 ideas that you've written, do you ever think of them as, like, 400 stories in, the, in that way of, like, just ideas because uh, a lot because a lot of your writing does feel kind of narrative mm-hmm. uh, and that's what I've always appreciated about your writing because uh, that's what I like in songwriting too and I, it feels very personal too of course but you're good at telling stories when you write and so do you think of them as like individual stories or are they just kind of more poems like you like you kind of mentioned earlier 
I think some of them do. Some of them definitely feel more uh, narrative. Like I, I need to get sort of uh, like I need a story arc. Like that's what I'm going for. And then some of them feel uh, more like sort of pictures that are just happening and you're sort of trying to describe whether it's feelings or, uh, you know, it could be events. Um, but sometimes you can get more, uh, less like A to B, like trying to get somewhere in the story. Um, and, and sometimes it's just trying to describe a moment in time. Um, describing emotion is, is difficult. Very hard. Yeah. Very hard. I mean, f- uh, in my case, at least my therapist would say, feeling emotion is very hard. That's interesting. My therapist would also say that. <laughs> it's like we were raised the same way. Yeah, that's uh, it's crazy. We're keeping them in business. Oh, yeah, for sure. Shout out, again, second shout out to therapy. <laughs> um, so, obviously, you have picked a topic for this episode. Uh, would you like to reveal the topic from, again, the pool of amazing topics? Thank you for submitting those. I will. I will get more from you guys later. The topic that I picked was uh, jelly toast. Why did you choose jelly toast? You know, I think initially I uh, chose jelly toast for two reasons. One uh, is because I didn't have anything in mind immediately for a story based on those phrases immediately. So I knew I was going to have to actually think about it. and then the second one is uh, I ate a lot of jelly toast growing up. It was a staple of our childhoods. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, we we never had a toaster. We only had a toaster oven, and so we would put a lot of toppings on said toast. Cinnamon toast. Yeah, so many. A so, classic. A lot of toast. I feel like we I feel like it was a large part of our childhood. That's interesting. I didn't even that didn't even cross my mind when you picked jelly toast. <laughs> But it, you're absolutely right. We ate so much of it growing up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's there had to be something there. Now I'm extra excited to hear your story. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So we are going to read our stories. We're going to discuss them and kind of figure out our, our processes, uh, kind of demystify the writing process for all you guys. Because I, I know that's what scared me so much before I actually started writing things. Because I was like, what? Like, how do people do this? We're going to tell you how we did it. <laughs> We're going to talk about how we got our ideas. At least I am. Uh, would you like to read first or do you want me to go first? I will let you pick as the guest. I will go first because I'm fairly sure that uh, your idea is going to be more thought out. <laughs> then don't even don't put that on me, man. <laughs> OK, I will go first uh, because I'm selfish. OK, I like that answer more. Uh, all right. So do you have a do you have a title for yours? I don't. That's okay. That's okay. There's that, Do not have to have a title. That's okay. I don't think there's any expectation there as well. We'll just call it Jelly Toast. So grab a seat around the fire, and Evan will take you away. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me feel like I'm, I'm abducting, abducting someone. <laughs> I heard it as I was saying it. <laughs> and Evan will drag you away. <laughs> this is... This just feels like a setup. <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to be here anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. All right. So, Jelly Toast, take it away. Aristook County, Maine, 43 miles from the Canadian border. A threadbare tent glows warmly 
from the fringe of an old-growth forest. Inside, two weekend nomads kill time until dusk turns to an inky haze. The drone of newly awakened nightlife is now faintly purring. There's a magic to these American ancestral settings. Elder spirits from native grounds, Norse explorers with their gods in tow. Odd occurrences, light and dark, if rumors are true. However, this pair had yet to settle that question. In fact, they only recently stumbled onto the hunt, as it's called by fellow seekers of the unseen. They were severely underfunded in their date night budget, and this seemed like a decent alternative to stuffy, overpriced restaurants. And you can always get a good table out here. Over five such previous expeditions, Ness and Finn never saw anything strange, but still found a certain excitement in the waiting, like rubbing your shoes over carpet and reaching for a door handle. An anticipation high, occasionally bolstered by less than legal means. However, supply chain problems had doomed this particular adventure into sobriety. Toast. Actually burnt toast, to be specific, Ness said. Finn looked up from the obsessive retread he was currently lost in. A formerly wet, now wavy-paged Salem's lot might have seen better days, but no post-millennial like him had ever witnessed that golden age of paperback horror. Excuse me, said Finn. Phantosmia, Ness continued in her musings. It's that thing where you smell things that aren't actually there. Unlike in your case, I know where exactly where that smell is wafting from, she half-smiled. Excuse me again, Finn objected, right eyebrow now raised. She had him. I mean, I'm really trying to excuse you, but I'm beginning to think you have some pituitary gland problem. Or maybe you've turned tree hugger. At least we're out here where you have plenty of options for your dendrophilia. I saw plenty of tall, sexy hardwoods while we were setting up. Finn fired a pillow, cross-stitched with the phrase, everything is a dildo if you're brave enough, across the tent. That last remnant of Finn's failed anarchist Etsy shop was now a stowaway on every trip. Remember us discussing that strategy for better conversation, Finn chided? Step one, avoid having the first half of the conversation alone in your head. Besides, I thought that burnt toast thing was when you're stroking out. Oh, it is, but it's not just that. I read it could be all kinds of terrible shit, Ness replied. Head injury, brain tumor, epilepsy, fucking phantasms for all we know. The science is a bit thin here. But seriously, ever since we got COVID and I lost my taste and smell, I'm all kinds of antsy that it'll never be back to normal. Not that I was some sure-fated sommelier, but still, it sucks. Finn stared at the glowing lantern hanging from the center pole and thought about his own viral shellacking. How, in less than two years, had the world suddenly gained multitudes of self-aggrandizing amateur MDs getting high on their own supply? Something to do with freedom to infect others or the right to bear arms. He pictured all those cracked-out January 6th patriots with giant furry bear arms sticking out of a cut-off don't-tread-on-me tee. Not any better, he thought. Actually, way worse. Finn circled back. So if smelling toast means you're having a stroke, what would jelly toast mean? He knew how to goad his girl into hyperbolic fantasies. Ness saw the opening and pre-laughed at herself. 
I mean, it would start like a normal stroke. Then, suddenly, a trickle of reddish eye fluid gives way to an eventual epic bloodletting through all your major orifices, followed by skin-blistered face melting, a la Holy Ghost devouring Nazis, until you're a puddle of floor jam, ready to be spooned and spread. Finn involuntarily dry heaved. Come on, you know I can't handle talk of fluids or Nazis. Never ever buy me tickets to a guar show. Ness relented. What a wiener. Minus the schnitzel, of course. She peeked out of the flap. Pure black. If there was a moon out tonight, she didn't see it. It's time. Grab your pack and the lantern, she said. If anyone was watching from above, they might describe the next half hour as two fireflies meandering through ancient reeds. The glow dimming and brightening, like a beacon to follow, or possibly a warning not to. Of course, no one was watching. Modern technology tended to glitch out here, acting like a natural no-fly zone for drone pre-scouting. Ness liked to imagine these treks as some important recon mission in their own private apocalypse. As remote as they were, it was plausible. And if she'd learned one thing as an eight-year-old forced to watch the fear-mongering Left Behind movie, the Kirk Cameron original, not the Nick Cage reboot, it was that she felt pretty decent about surviving the end of days. That, and she'd be okay with all the evangelicals suddenly disappearing. The forest seemed to thin out a touch as they ducked under a downed red spruce. Finn thought he saw movement just beyond the light of the lantern. A dark shape slowly merged with another dark shape, like a reverse mitosis. He squinted to focus. He really should get an actual prescription and stop telling himself he's not old enough. Did you see that? Finn whispered. See what? Ness asked in return. He walked up to the spot in question. Ah, nothing. There's nothing here. Remind me to get my eyes checked this week. Let's move on. Thirty paces later, the trees stopped cold, revealing a large, natural glade. These formations weren't exactly rare, but Ness saw Finn's face suddenly blanch white. If you're fucking with me, I swear to God, Ness. I don't know what you mean, but I am most definitely not, she replied. You don't smell that? he asked. Seriously? No, I don't. Ness started to get nervous. Finn passed the tree line with purposefully slow steps, reaching his lantern out as far in front as he could. A dim picture, somehow familiar, grew out of the black in the center of the clearing as he moved closer. An impossible image. His mouth fell open, wordless. Set before him in stark contrast was the exact table and two chairs they ate breakfast on every morning, the exact faded gingham tablecloth, the exact place setting, napkin to the right of the azure tinted plate. At home, Finn tirelessly dad joked that he would have the blue plate special. He wasn't feeling very jokey at the moment. The legs of the otherwise spotless table seemed to grow directly into the ground like four young trees only they were so very old. Vines had attached and died and regrown over the old ones. Resting on the plate center was what Finn was smelling, two slices of warm jelly toast. The heat met the cool night air and steam twisted upwards. Ness caught up, trying to understand the situation. The lanterns seemed to her dimmer than before, or the dark seemed blacker, the constant insect buzzing had ceased completely. The vacuum of sound now felt more than heard.
Finn, what's wrong? Finn's tone was no longer accusatory and had been replaced with pure panic. How is this possible? Finn started to rant, describing the impossibility and stumbling over his words. Statements and questions jumbled together, and a normally even-keel Finn stood more out of sorts than Ness had ever seen him. She listened and nodded supportively, but it was forced. Ness didn't see any of it, smell any of it. There was a clearing, but there was nothing in the center besides her and Finn and palpable dread. Finn tried to settle himself, seeing that Ness was very afraid. What's happening? Finn pleaded. Blood, black from the moonless night, pooled at the corner of Finn's eye and fell down its face. The end. That was Jelly Toast. Your short story, your flash fiction, your bite-sized story that is now fun size. (laughs) So tell me about it. Tell me how you kind of landed on that specific idea for Jelly Toast. How did your brain get there? Yeah. So the thing that my brain decided that Jelly Toast meant the most was uh, this idea of when you're having a stroke, you, you smell burnt toast. Sure. And so I was trying to figure out a way to put that into some sort of context um, that wasn't normal, mm-hmm. um, wasn't super straightforward, um, but also was honest about uh, using the the idea of jelly toast in in the actual story. Yeah, I, f- I felt like early on I was like, okay, well, I could like have them mention jelly toast and then go completely away from it. Um, I like a good literal interpretation. Yeah, you know, and, and also I think this one has a lot of different kind of threads to it as well. Like it, it has like a, a good relationship at the center that feels like grounded, and they have like specificity in their dialogue, which is great. And then it kind of drifts into like horror, kind kind of sci-fi. I, I'm I am curious. Like so, f- from your perspective, what what happened at the end? So if you can reveal that. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's probably it's probably Cuz again, we're trying to to open it up to everybody and and I love the vagueness of it. I think it's it works really well and it ends on a on a nice like cut to black moment mm-hmm. that I think is always really nice and and again, I think it works really well cuz you already have the relationship that you set up at the beginning. But in your mind, yeah, what 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 is what is it at the end that happens? So at the end, this, uh, the, I guess, the, I don't even know if I had more words to say if I would say it sure. uh, in this way, but um, basically this, this idea of smelling the toast, um, smelling the burnt toast as a trigger for something that's wrong with you, something that's going on, uh, something that needs to be checked out, um, and, you know, as a little bit of a warning sign. Um, and potentially a warning sign that something is about to happen. Mm. Um, and so this idea of, um, you know, the jelly toast is, is really, uh, a thing that is uh, in my head, at least, I'm not sure if, uh, whatever put their table out in the woods, um, is, you know, set a trap or something Mm -hmm. or, is around sort of swirling 
waiting for for them in the woods sure um but it was uh i wanted to have this idea where the trigger was smelling it mm-hmm. and you wouldn't necessarily be affected by what was happening to finn if you didn't smell it that's kind of the trigger for it which is the whole reason why i went into the the covid thing mm. losing the sense of taste and smell oh i didn't even get that that's amazing um yeah it, it wasn't just because i wanted to um you know you did you did just get covid a couple weeks ago i did as well. I, I did did it affect you did you lose your taste and smell i did not but but rebecca did my wife oh, did yeah so yeah uh, you're drawing from personal experience sure yeah there which, um, I, which i think is always a good way to to find ideas yeah i felt a little weird uh throwing that in there um because it felt uh, almost too topical um i don't think there's anything wrong with being topical mine isn't <laughs> <laughs> um but it, you know more so it's like just because covid so it, it's controversial and it's political and it's it's become this like giant thing and sure. i didn't want the whole story to be about that totally it's not i think that i think you're using uh, a real world idea and then using that a trait from that and putting it into something that is actually really interesting and making it a, a factor in like a a scary situation that is obviously fictionalized sure and i think that's cool i think it's a really cool way to do it you're not focusing on it you're taking um, like a, a result or a consequence of that and then using it, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I, I think that the questions in my head, uh, if if the story was, was ever to be expanded or, or other questions answered, is why on this particular trip did, uh, you know, did they trigger something in their sort of, uh, you know, uh, trying to figure out this like paranormal activity, seeking, um you know, excitement, it, you know, because the, the way we set up the story was just the the idea that they're bored the, and they don't have a lot of money. And so they're just trying to have fun and be interesting, get outside a little bit. Um, I mean, that's that's how it was for me when I was first married and we didn't have much to do. We didn't have much money. And so it's like, go, what are we going to go do stuff? What are we doing? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, hikes and, and camping and all that stuff is, a, is always a good way. Uh, to to go experience some fun, but in this case, um, I love this idea. Uh, you can probably tell I'm a giant Stephen King fan. I was literally about to bring it up because I'm also a giant Stephen King fan. <laughs> Stephen King fan, of course. But continue. But I think I, I see the the connections that you're about to make. So I, I like uh, you know initially. I, it's weird because I I was actually going to put this setting in uh, in Ireland. And uh, we 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 being McHughes, our, our last name, our heritage is very Irish, um, Scottish and Irish. And uh, there's so many weird uh, like forests and old history in Ireland. And so I, I wanted that to happen, but I didn't know how to bring in the COVID, give a few political digs in the in the moment, but also get the the sense of taste and smell uh, context. Mm-hmm if the setting was in Ireland. And so, uh, so I put it in Maine, which is, you know, Stephen King's hood. And you had also just been to Maine recently. And, and I had, and, and, uh, the first time this, uh, this last year, um, my wife and I went and it is scary. It is, it's weird. There's a, there's like a weird energy. It's a, there's some, some towns that we, uh, stayed in that, uh, immediately Rebecca was like, we should leave. <laughs> It's not. It just has a weird, kind of a foreboding thing. Totally, and I think I think being able to to place a story there is like, obviously you're you're kind of giving a shout out to Stephen King 
as he deserves. But you're also, again, you were just there and you experienced mm-hmm. how spooky it was. Yeah, and it felt it felt uh, again plausible. It, like if I was in the middle of those woods, you know, that close to Canada, there's nothing out there. I mean, no. there is very little, and depending on the time of year, I mean, you get lost up there. Um, and you know, that's what they were trying to do is purposely get lost, mm-hmm. but um, obviously not the other part. I do think I do think there is something uh, at the end when when it all kind of happens with when the table appears and the blood starts to to pour down his face his face. There is something Kingian there, kind of like the way that you wrote it with the imagery and not really revealing what it is, what happened, mm-hmm. but all the feeling and the intensity and the tension is there. And I think that feels very Stephen King, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that given the, the short story format, I think which he's great at. He is he is great at also. Um, it, it for me like this is this is one of the reasons why I went uh, over in the word count a little bit because I'm not used to. I forgive you. Trying to figure out where this story arc should go and where I need to land within a thousand words. I think I overshot it a little bit um, in terms of the setup, um, and I'm I, I'm glad I did. I think that the stuff is in there, and I like their relationship, and I like seeing their their back and forth and playfulness. Um, because I also didn't want it to just be horror from the beginning. I wanted there to feel like a sense of real sense of lived in relationship. Um, you know, this is why they do it. And, um, you know, and they're just having fun with it and it's not that serious. Um, but also at some point having that switch and them having real reactions to each other in those moments of like panic uh you know and and horror because i think i was trying to imagine like what uh what rebecca and i would have like what that relationship would be like in those really stressful moments where we're not expecting that to happen we're kind of expecting it because we are out in the woods Mm -hmm. sort of like looking for you know Mm -hmm. whatever's out here right but but not uh uh but we would focus on the things that we knew which was oh he's seeing this thing or smelling this thing like he's being affected she's not being affected she's trying to figure out why he doesn't know how to explain it to her and he's panicked mm-hmm. um and it you know that there doesn't seem to be there doesn't have to be a why uh or or mm-hmm. like what it is right um doing it i mean i'm kind of still interested in what it is totally and I, what i think the benefit uh in the kind of the beauty of this podcast is you've got a story that you could go back to now mm-hmm. that if you wanted to expand that you can but it exists and it works perfectly as a flash fiction story too um, I am curious, so obviously we've talked about kind of the, the content and, and your thoughts around how you got there, but in the actual writing process, mm-hmm. where do you normally go to write? Like, what was your, how, did you write this all at once? Did you kind of uh, do it over a few days? Like, did you, were you back here in the studio doing it? What was your, your process there? I, uh, st- I started it here in the studio um, when I was, uh, I have my, uh, my day job is a uh, graphic designer. Um, and, uh, I was working from home that day and, um, this is the studio that I work in when that's happening. So I was able to sort of like jot down some stuff and sort of, uh, I think I want to say the first thing that I wrote down was, uh, that first line of threadbare tent glows warmly from the fringe of an old growth forest. Um, that was, that was just the one thing that I wrote down and I didn't know exactly what was going to happen. I knew kind of the i want i wanted to do the stroke jelly toast mm-hmm. smelling situation mm-hmm. um but 
but that was here started. And then um, I think I actually worked on it a little bit in the office also when I was a couple days later. That's how you do it. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then I finished it back here in the studio. Um, so, you know, it, was, it, it actually helped to move around a little bit. Totally. Because the whole ending thing, I did. I really didn't know for the most part how to wrap it up. Um, and also very king. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Makes sense. That's very, that's, that's accurate. <laughs> Um, uh, but it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, it was a tough thing cause I didn't know how much I should give away, um, versus how much to leave to the imagination. Yeah. That's always, that's always a tough thing with, with, uh, the challenge with the story like the, like these, with these kind of word limit limitations mm-hmm. kind of, is you have to figure out like, where can I cut the line and it still work mm-hmm. where I'm not giving too much away and I'm not overstaying my welcome either. And I think, I think the way you do it, it works. You know, you're, you let the imagination take over a little bit more, but you also give yourself the freedom to maybe go back and actually write a short story out of it, you know, like a, a little bit longer of a story if you wanted to. For sure. I, I My question to you is, like, do you feel like now now that you understand the premise, does it feel clear that uh, that Ness wasn't experiencing what Finn was experiencing because she had lost her taste and smell? And so in the woods, he was basically being uh you know poisoned or whatever whatever the thing is mm-hmm. he was being affected and she wasn't specifically because of that so at the end she would just i mean i felt sad mm-hmm. for her because she was about to uh watch her dude uh melt into a puddle of floor jam <laughs> yeah i i when you when you mentioned it again the the loss of smell it made so much sense and i think i'm not good at drawing threads from like beginning of the story to the end of the story but when you said it it made so much sense and i was like okay yeah that connection it works all the way through and adds to the tension at the end too um i think maybe at the end i you could even do more about smell like just talk more about it at the end but like this isn't a this isn't a podcast of notes like this, no, no, no. we're not trying to 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 critique anything here but um i think i think the the through line works uh all the way through Cool. The the additional ending was just going to be uh, one line where Ness just uh, plugs her nose and runs away. <laughs> hey, that could work. It, it could. It just it's a different tone. It felt dumb. It's a different tone for sure. Uh, the 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 last thing that I want to to mention about about your story, I have to give uh, some love to any mef- any reference of the end times, <laughs> because. I have written about that many, many times mm-hmm. in stories mm-hmm. because it's fun to write about and because it scared the shit out of us so much growing up that it feels good to kind of mine it for, for ideas. It did. I think it's good. I, I feel like it's good to sort of uh, 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 poke fun at it um, now that we're, uh, now that we're, you know, working through in, ther- the, that, in, in therapy, that trauma. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but it is a weird, it's a, it's a very specific, uh, thing. So that was one of the things that was just like, well, I threw that in there just because I wanted, I wanted to feel like she was working through something and coming out the other end yes. and maybe had already dealt with some of it better than I had. Yeah. Again, like you're, you're pulling from, from your own experiences and, and it makes sense for this character cause it's so specific mm-hmm. too. And if you, if you were raised like us, you know, our, our dad was a pastor. We both went to Christian school for for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you are told about the end times a lot, mm-hmm. and it's super scary. And you're told how scary it is, 
And so now that I'm an adult and, and we can like write and put these into stories, it just is a, is a story idea. That's all it is, <laughs> you know, and it's fun to write about now because it's a, it's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. The end times, you know, apocalypse, the rapture, all that stuff. But as a kid, it was the scariest thing in the world. Very scary, very scary. And I, this actually was the, you know, one of the first times I've I've tried to I've tried to work these themes into songs at at, at points. Sure. Um, but it, it's difficult and it feels very metaphoric when you're doing it in a song. Um, and this feels a little bit more, uh, like on the nose. Like I can I can sort of say what it is, which is nice. It's helpful. Um, you don't have to be as poetic about it. I don't have to be as poetic about it. I can just say that it was terrible, and <laughs> and these are the feelings that are surrounding it, which is great. And I think that like that one particular section has uh, clued me into the fact that there's a lot of material there. If <laughs> if I want to ch- pull that thread, there's a oof, man. There's there's probably novels. There's there's a whole series there, <laughs> for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, it's called Left Behind by Tim LaHaye <laughs> and Jerry B. Jenkins. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, just for the people that are interested, uh, the original, um, uh, the the Left Behind movie that Kirk Cameron's in, that then they rebooted with Nick Cage, um, the the original movies from the seventies that those books were based on, um, are on Amazon Prime right now. First one's called A Thief in the Night. A Thief in the Night, um, and the second one's called A Distant Thunder. Um, so cool sounding. I don't, I don't know. Um, but they are there, uh, so if you want to um, check out the uh, one of the banes of our childhood existence, um, that's it's there, and it's a lot. It's not good. It's not. Don't show it to your nine-year-old. No, please don't. <laughs> we, we'll save you the trouble <laughs> of therapy down the road. It's true. Don't show. Don't show them this stuff. Yeah. Don't but, show it to your sixteen-year-old either. But if you want a good laugh, is is pretty good. It's a quality seventies. It feels very seventies, and and it feels like a, a period in time. This is true. Well, thank you uh, for that story. Uh, just call it Jelly Toast. Mm-hmm. So I'll read mine. Mine's a little bit shorter. That feels like a brag. That feels feels like you had it figured out. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say I had it figured out, um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Mine is, I actually did have a title for mine, mm-hmm. uh, which I can't guarantee that I will have a title for all my future stories. This one, I think I just liked. Uh, it's called Taste Buds. Mm-hmm. Taste Space Buds. In the year 2134, two tastemakers sat in their lab debating the efficiency of their government-assigned task. Busy work, Harmon said while eyeing the nondescript white pill he held in his palm. That's all we're good for these days, huh? Just little busy worker bees buzzing around this facility every single day while we do nothing of actual value here. Just busy work. Harmon's tight-lipped co-worker, Trencher, continued his own busy work at the individual workspace in their shared lab. As usual, he didn't acknowledge Harmon's whining. You agree with me, right? Harmon continued. I mean, seriously, what societal good is coming from this dumb pill, huh? The higher-ups ever tell you that information? Probably not. Confidential and all that, right? With a long, protracted sigh, Trencher turned and faced Harmon. You know my stance on it. I think what we're doing here is important, Harmon. We're recreating memories. Wrong, Harmon said loudly, rolling his eyes as he tossed the pill up and down in his hand absentmindedly like a bored kid in class. We're recreating tastes. Copying them, really. Not quite as sexy, is it? And before you go all, but taste is an essential part of memory. That doesn't quite change what we're doing here. He held that white pill up closer to Trencher's face this time, who purposefully did not look at it. Think about it. 
we're literally using these fancy computers to stuff tastes, or what everyone assumes is the accurate taste, into these tiny things. All because food has become so fucking simple that we as humanity stopped caring about cooking and baking and all the beauty that comes from food history. Nobody wanted to create anything anymore, and these pills right here became the nutrition-packed replacements for those actual memories. Memories nobody cares to have anymore. But here's the thing. Nobody even remembers what tastes like what. Are we the new arbiters of taste? Sure, I mean, our job is literally tastemaker. But that doesn't mean we know shit. Let me give you an example. What's next on the docket? Trencher looked back at the monitor and tracked his finger down until he found it. Jelly toast, he said with a tired laugh. Not very sexy indeed. Perfect. You're already proving my point. Okay, jelly toast. Great example. Here's a question. Do you remember what jelly toast tastes like? Of course, Trencher said firmly. Are you sure? When was the last time you actually ate a piece of toasted bread with a bit of grape jelly? Or any jelly, I suppose. Trencher was getting annoyed, and he'd always been terrible at hiding it. He swiped his screen back up in front of him and silently pretended to work. That's what I thought, Harmon laughed. You've never had jelly toast. Neither have I. And I bet nobody has for years. Isn't that so completely messed up? Can we just get this one done and move on, Trencher said. We're a long way from our quota, and... Aw, oh, fuck the quota, man. Harmon interrupted, throwing the pill against their metal lab wall, and when he realized it didn't shatter since it was too small, he proceeded to stomp the thing until it was little more than white dust. Real mature, Harmon. Are you finished with your tantrum? Can we get back to work now? I'll get back to work when you tell me who knows what goddamn jelly toast tastes like. It's all bullshit. Ugh, I gotta go take a smoke. As Harmon stormed out of the lab, stuffing a cig in his mouth, Trencher tried to continue his daily tasks. This wasn't the first outburst he'd witnessed from his fiery co-worker, but something about this one felt different. Harmon wasn't wrong, as much as Trencher hated to admit it. He sighed and grabbed another white starter pill from the container of thousands right next to his desk. Placing the small, circular pill in the scanner, Trencher began the exact same work he'd been mindlessly doing for years. Running the same programs, letting the computer pick out the flavor profile for whatever was on the docket, and waiting for the taste to render into the pill. So much waiting, and very little actual work. Busy work, Trencher mumbled to himself. Damn it. Harmon was right on the money. Going through the motions was the opposite of what Trencher had wanted when he took this job. Unfortunately, that had been 11 long years ago. Trencher pondered what his partner had said. Nobody creates anymore. He let his finger wander along the screen in front of him, swiping away the autopilot controls. This was the time for action. Finally. Computer, switch to manual control. Are you sure, employee 544? The automated voice asked. Manually adding flavor traits could result in, yes, yes, I'm certain, Trencher said as he cracked his knuckles in preparation. Just do it. Manual control, engaged. Jelly toast. Now what does jelly toast taste like? For the next 20 minutes, while Harmon continued his prolonged smoke break, Trencher worked diligently to craft the exact flavor profile he was searching for. When Harmon finally returned to the lab smelling strongly of tobacco, he was shocked when he saw his partner working manually. Finally saw the light, eh? He laughed, now feeling much better after that cig. I think, I think I did it. Trencher said, snatching the pill out of the scanner and tossing it to Harmon. Jelly toast, created by yours truly and not by a computer. Harmon's face lit up as he deftly caught the pill. Oh, did my inspirational rant actually work? Just try it. Without thinking, he popped the pill into his mouth and waited as it began to dissolve. Hmm, Harmon said. 
that's uh, kind of... All of a sudden, his hand shot up to his throat, grasping for something, anything, as his face took on a silent, horrified look. Harmon? Harmon! Trencher shouted, running over to his partner. Before he could say or do anything else, Harmon let loose a torrent of bright green vomit that splashed onto Trencher's white coat. In complete shock, Trencher stood there, dripping, unable to speak. Harmon, now completely fine, couldn't help but laugh. You know, Trencher, he said while wiping his mouth, maybe I was wrong. In that moment, Trencher fought the strong urge to strangle his friend and lab partner. Busy work might not be so bad, eh? Harmon laughed. Trencher leapt for him. The end. That's Taste Buds. Wow, so different. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the beauty of this podcast. Two very different stories from one very simple topic like jelly toast. Man, that was a I did not know exactly where it was going and I man, I really loved I loved the fact that you kept it light. Yeah. I felt like I had to. <laughs> well, I don't know when when we're talking, you know, the idea of s'more stories like the campfire tales, you know, like I think that you uh, think, oh, it's got to be like creepy. Sure, sure. But and uh, I do enjoy creepy and horror stories for mm-hmm. sure. But I think with something like Jelly Toast, I was like, I can do something with this that's weird. No, that's it really. Uh, and I, I maybe it was also the the my preconceptions about where it was starting from, or as as for as opposed to where I thought it was going. Um, because it had like a little bit of a, a Brave New World vibe to me at the beginning. That's kind of what I was picturing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the is it Soma, whatever the pill is that they I think picture. so. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was cool because it felt very like a lab, like a white lab that I had seen before. And so I wasn't sure what they were doing. Sure. And you want to know uh, that's really interesting that you bring up Brave New World. Do you want to know uh, the other dystopian story that is the, actually the the inspiration of Taste Buds? Uh, is it Matrix? Yes. Specifically, the scene where Mouse is talking about Tasty Wheat. Yeah, where that's he's like, true. "How do they know what Tasty Wheat tastes like? Maybe it tastes like chicken." You know? What if the machines got it wrong? Exactly, and that exact conversation was the inspiration for this story. I was like, "That's kind of interesting," because with Jelly Toast, there's it's so simple that like you can tell almost any kind of story. And I was like, I kind of want to tell like a sci-fi kind of mm-hmm. story there. And I didn't know how I didn't know like what could be interesting. But when I was thinking, it's interesting that you went with smell as kind of your sense mm-hmm. trait for jelly toast. I went with specifically taste and like literal taste of jelly toast. And well, if they, if there's like, synthesizing a taste of, of jelly toast they're probably synthesizing the taste of everything else yeah and so that felt like a future idea that kind of could happen <laughs> like i wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing more of that in the next like 100 years or so <laughs> yeah i mean certainly the ability to yeah and and that feels like something that i could see happening and i thought i thought the the name taste buds was kind of funny because it was just two dudes working in a lab that had probably been working together too long and like mostly hated each other uh and so it was just a fun conversation and i love i love writing dialogue and i think you do too based on the 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 conversation between your your characters and it's fun to write yeah when it feels natural it feels good and um and so i liked having kind of that tension between between them and then just seeing what kind of like 
sci-fi kind of idea I could come up with. And it, it turned out that it was a dude sick of automated computers <laughs> in the future still. And he still sucks at it. So not much changed, basically. Automation is needed. We should all be replaced by computers <laughs> is the premise of this story. I'm just kidding. That was just how it ended because that's how I wanted it to end. I don't know. But the funny thing is is that people, uh, what they're dealing with in their jobs, the monotony, even with all of the automation, even with the technology, they're still bored at their jobs. And it's in that, in that sense, very little has changed. And you feel like you got to do something. You know, I got to make a change. And then that change sucks. Yeah, no, it does. Okay, let me ask you this. With the pill, is the pill uh, just for taste or is it filling also? Is it your nutrition? Is that that food? Yes, it's like replaced food. Okay. So, like, people don't really make food anymore in this world. And so it's essentially, like, a meal replacement pill, but they can, like, blast flavor into it. Flavor-blasted pills. Yeah. Like goldfish. Flavor blasted goldfish. So is it is a little bit like the the gum from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Kind of similar idea. I didn't think about that at all until just now, but kind of the same idea, um, which is just kind of fantasy at that point. Like it's just kind of like food fantasy. Yeah, but it sounds terrible. Like nobody wants these pills. Like I would want. I love eating. Like I don't agree with my story. <laughs> I want to make that clear. <laughs> well, no, I mean I think that. I think it's plausible. I think it's it's a it's a thing that could happen. Sure. And some people, you know, the thing that it is it, because it could happen, it probably will at some point. I just I just started something. <laughs> it's going to happen because of this story. Dang it. Great. I'm so sorry. It's society. Gonna, it's going to be a brand called Taste Buds. You need to get that dot .com right now. I'm sure it's taken. You're probably right. <laughs> it's too good. <laughs> um I I wrote this probably over the, over the course of uh about a week and a half, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was great because we had a deadline. Mm-hmm. I was visiting Nashville, and you were like, okay, let's, let's record this weekend, this day. And so I actually had, like, I can look forward to a specific date and know I'll be done by that point, which I love deadlines. Yeah, it helps. I think you do too, probably. Totally. Especially well, in your line of work. Y- yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I have kids and a job. And, and your family, yes. And there's, you know, there's things that uh, that take your time. Um, but I think because you, when you have a deadline, you can... Uh, be thinking about it and you know there's something that I don't know if it's a stress that you sort of self-induce but it it makes you sort of find it you know find the narrative think about the narrative and and put it down and and eventually just put something down because you know you can always edit yeah I mean that's what I realize is kind of half the battle when I'm trying to write something is just like writing that first sentence Mm -hmm. and then Okay, I've got something on the paper. I can like work with that. What was the first thing you wrote? So I went back and added the in the year twenty one thirty four because I was like, I don't know if it's that obvious that this is kind of in the near future. So I went back and added that. So that was not the first thing I wrote. It was uh, literally uh, my character Harmon complaining about busy work because mm-hmm. I'm okay. Little glimpse into my life, been doing a lot of busy work at at, at my job, <laughs> and so it's it clearly has been on my mind. And so it felt like a good way to kind of get that out and also have a, a character that was kind of angry, <laughs> you know? It's true. I don't go on smoke breaks at work, but Harmon does. Harmon does. Well, I feel like, it, you know, in I think this the smoke break, the, the, that context of like sort of their attitude towards each other and their attitude towards work feels like any any job where you're doing a lot of repetitive work. And, I, you know, in that sense, it does feel like you're sort of 
throwing out uh, this idea that like, hey, this is a problem that could be solved because it doesn't seem like it's going to go away even in the year 2134. Like people are still going to uh, hate their job. It doesn't mean it's not necessary. It doesn't mean it doesn't help people or you know provide a service or a product. But at the same time, it's just humanity. The repetitiveness is hard. I think this story is maybe a surprise anti-capitalist uh, <laughs> idea mm-hmm. <laughs> without me really realizing it. Yeah, it's a little bit. It does feel a little bit anti-corporation, or or at least, yeah, maybe that. Big pharma <laughs> is. Are these pills considered big pharma? Even this, they probably. This is big food. They okay. Let's be honest. In this, in twenty one thirty four or whatever year I picked, these pills are probably going to be prescription. Ooh. Think about it that way. No, that's terrible. Exactly. Listen, as somebody who deals with prescriptions constantly as a diabetic, yeah, it's not a great, not a great place already. I can only imagine it's going to get worse as the years go go on. So, is this? Are you projecting that uh, uh, big food is going to merge into big pharma? In into big pharma, yeah. And so then, it's going to be the same. And then big tobacco is going to join as the third, <laughs> and they're going to have a threesome of monopolies. Oh gosh. And then Jeff Bezos. Who is still going to be alive at this point? Twenty one thirty four. The brain of Jeff Bezos is going to kind of be the ruling class of of all of it. I think. Yeah, well, he'll be he'll be like two hundred fifty years old. Two hundred fifty years young. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> That's fair. I think we just predicted the future. You're welcome to our many listeners. Mm-hmm. Jelly toast. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you picked jelly toast. I think it's a really good and interesting idea, and I think. Just the sheer differences between our stories make me super excited about future episodes of this of this podcast. For sure, which is funny because I mean we had uh, very different stories, but we are also brothers and we were raised the same, and so like our stories were different, even though we had a lot of similarities coming into this idea. Totally, and um, I, and because we were raised the same way, and and you're my brother, like I can see kind of your threads in your story, mm-hmm. like it, it it makes a lot of sense, and so it's kind of cool seeing it surface level but then also knowing the background context with it too for sure so i can only imagine when you have a guest that is completely opposite from uh from you that aaron uh, our sister aaron you mean (laughs) no no no. i mean like you know someone who wasn't wasn't raised you know uh, white protestant Uh, i mean you weren't raised white you are white um allegedly allegedly um but you know i think that that's that's cool I'm, i'm excited to see uh if those differences like really make the stories super different, uh, totally. wider. Um, also, I am uh, I, I've realized uh, your love of dialogue that I share. It is the same. It's so fun to write. It is. I hate writing uh, descriptions of things. I rarely put them in stories, and mm-hmm. I'm bad at them. And I'm bad at remembering to put them in. At least mm-hmm. I can do it later <laughs> in the in the process. But like mo- most of my rough, rough drafts or first drafts of stories are like eighty percent dialogue. And then I'm realizing, like, I don't think I need this much. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, for me, I don't know. I don't think I've I've done this kind of exercise enough, and so I found it uh, super exciting and fun to actually be able to describe something. Yeah, the not and not have to like match that up with a with a melody. Yeah, well, and also know that the song can only be three and a half minutes long. True, and therefore uh, I need a chorus that's repeatable and. So on and so forth, and and like, which is actually funny because a lot of times I will write more verses in songs than are necessary. Oh, interesting. And then have to cut some, um, but I really like the sort of that uh, engaging 
dialogue, expanding the story, moving it forward, um, but then also getting those descriptors in there. Mm-hmm. I like those contexts of of the story. It kind of puts me in the uh, the actual um, setting a little bit better. I agree, and you add you're really good about adding a lot of specific. Uh, descriptions too like things that don't just feel like tacked on they feel like specific to the characters mm-hmm. which I think is is really helpful because a lot of times in a story in a bad story a description is just like the most generic thing or most basic thing like you know he's wearing a t-shirt with a vague design on it you know but mm-hmm. you're giving like actual specific uh, ideas for these characters which I think is really cool and again something I'm not good at doing <laughs> well actually that that one uh, description of the t-shirt that you mentioned the uh i think it's the don't tread on me tea oh i love that that's so good but the whole the whole time i was writing that i was thinking and i think this happens a lot at least in my process where i'll get going and then i'll write something uh, i was you know taking a jab at the the alt-right the Um, patriots you mean the yeah uh (laughs) but you know the this idea of like they're hold they don't want to wear masks and sure um they feel like all their freedoms come before yours and uh, and then this right to bear arms, which has nothing to do with COVID. But at the same time, then I was like, oh, what if they really had bear arms? That made me laugh real hard in my head. Um, and so that's very funny. Those are the kind of things that I will probably always continue to try to put in anything that I write in songs also that are just for me. If anyone else loves it, that's fine. I think that's what you have to do as a, as a creator. You just have to like do things for yourself sometimes and be like, if this makes me laugh, it's good. Mm-hmm. You know, and if somebody else doesn't agree, that's that's on them. I mean, it's at least, uh, even if it's not good, I think it's at least worth it. Totally. And I think that's one that's one aspect of, of creativity that I'm, like, going through now of just realizing, like, I can just do things on myself or for myself on my own mm-hmm. and put them out there and, you know, and not be so worried if, you know, one person isn't going to like it. And that's been, like, 80% of the battle for me <laughs> of just going and just doing it and putting it out there, you know. And you've been doing that for so long with music. Would you say that you are interested like would you go back not necessarily to the story but would you go back to writing like maybe a short story at some point yeah totally no I mean I I think I mean you and I both share love of film and I think in some ways I find myself I think about the idea of story writing um, a short story or something longer if it you know if I ever ended up writing a novel yeah Um, but I think about it more in sort of cinematic in my head there's a there's the cinematic uh the way it's shot the sounds the soundtrack um and like less about so it's funny because i don't really know how to write a short story like i don't really know how to Nobody write does. uh <laughs> literature in sure. that way um i think some of it is like feels like i'm writing uh half comic book half song and half movie um like screenplay specifically and so uh, the secret is nobody knows what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think like what you really wrote is a short story, and even if it didn't feel like it while you're doing it, like that is a legitimate story. You could submit that to a a magazine and have it fall under the guidelines, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. So like you did it, and I will. I, I I definitely think that this is a this is great exercise. I I appreciate you having me do this with you, um, and you know the the pressure of having to create something is actually really nice. Yes, totally. I agree. And I think it's perfect for me because I'm, it's just an excuse to make me write more. Mm-hmm. And so I can't guarantee if this, if this podcast is going to be like monthly or maybe bi-monthly, definitely not weekly. That's going to be tough, <laughs> but I want to do it as much as I can so that I can have more of these conversations. I can read other people's stories. I can write another story myself, you know, and 
I, I appreciate you, you you being here, and uh, obviously down the road we'll probably do this again. Yeah, I'm excited to sit. I'm just excited to see the other other episodes and see whatever comes out of it. The other stories that are created. Me too. Um, and the the last thing that I really want to, as kind of a segment that hopefully we'll do every every episode is, um, I want myself and our guest to shout out a story that you have either read or watched or heard uh, in you know in the last week in the last couple of days what something that's jumped out to you that you want to share and maybe recommend to somebody I'll, I'll, I'll come up with a good title for this segment later just give me your give me your good story yeah uh, so I think my good story is I played the game the Witcher and uh, this latest one I think is the Witcher 3 I didn't get very far in it because it was very complicated and it was hard. Uh, it was interesting, and I loved uh, a lot of the things about it, but it was difficult to get super far in the story. But uh, enter The Witcher, the TV series. and On Netflix. Pretty fantastic, at least through season one. Um, I, I can recommend it. It's, it feels like a, it's a fun fantasy. It's also pretty intense uh, and kind of moving in, in ways that it didn't necessarily have to be. I think it, it actually was a lot deeper um uh, Henry Cavill was really good in it and um it's shot really well. The, yeah, it's 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 production quality is great. It's better than I thought it was going to be and it's better than everybody thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Uh so d- definitely check that out. I think it's a it's a it's a good way to tell a story. Um there are some interesting timeline aspects in the first I think season. you mean confusing. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I mean by interesting. Um it maybe unnecessary. Sure. But at the same time I see You can get through it. I see they were they were trying to keep it interesting and yeah. and keep you guessing a little bit um and it's not so much to overcome uh but um but it is good. the The story is, is pretty interesting, and uh, I think the storytelling, all in all, uh, was quality. And you and Rebecca have been watching it together, right? Yeah, which yeah. is very funny. Which is not necessarily something I, I figured that she would be into. No, and so you guys are going to start season two soon. Yeah, nice. I need to watch. I haven't watched it myself. I need to watch season two, as well. Uh, my my good story, if we're going to stick with that for now, is uh, I actually got, I'm going to give two quick ones. So while while we were up here in Nashville, me and Brittany. Um, me and Evan actually went to go see a great horror movie. Mm-hmm. Your first movie in a couple of years, right? In theaters. Two and a half years. Two and a half the years. Gosh, that, I'm so sorry for you. But I'm excited to have been a part of your rebirth <laughs> in <laughs> post-COVID. Entering back into society. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so we saw uh, a horror movie called The Cursed, mm-hmm. and it was gnarly. It was. Now, obviously, if you're if you're listening to this podcast, you might know that I did Cellar Dwellers for a long time. We did 60 episodes, watched a lot of messed up movies. This it comes highly recommended if you are if you are into horror movies and into Cellar Dwellers movies uh, as well. So check that out for sure. Go see it in theaters if if you're if you're interested. But just be prepared; it's pretty gnarly. It is. Um, but really interesting take on a on an idea that is pretty well tread in certain ways too. Um, but definitely recommend that. My other a uh, smaller recommendation is a comic book, which get ready for that to happen probably a lot throughout these episodes. Mm-hmm. I love comic books. And again, they're great small stories. So really, really accurate for small stories, I think. I've been reading uh, a, a comic series. I had a little volume one of it uh, called Friday. It's written by Ed Brubaker and art by uh, Marcos Martin. It is really good. It's super short. There's three issues out currently collected into a little small volume. It is essentially uh, the idea of these two detective kid detectives that went to college and now are now back in their hometown for Christmas break, 
and it's very like dark and supernatural but that's kind of the premise is that they were like nancy drew <laughs> kids wow and the art is is pretty stunning uh yeah the... it did actually you showed me the art right mm-hmm. for a second no, it's yeah. actually a different one different comic book i was reading oh, dang it that one also has great art too department of truth check mm-hmm. that out check that one out too um but i think you would i'll show you the art for for friday uh, as well because it's really unique and cool yeah but ed brubaker incredible uh comic book writer like kind of legendary as well so uh check that out it's really really cool i'm i'm really excited for volume two or, or the next issues whenever they come out i don't think they're out just yet but those are my two recommendations cursed uh in the film world and then friday in the comic book world and you gave us a tv show uh for the witcher on netflix too yeah. so a good mix of things to check out uh, of really good stories that we would come uh, highly recommended from us and the last thing to talk about is your new song before we get out of here. Yeah, I do have a new song. Do I have permission to play a little clip of it? Oh, yeah, you can totally play okay, it. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Um, I will do that, kind of give you a, a, a listen of what it's going to be like. But uh, what's it called? So it's called Into Your Sun. The dark it seems to see. Is uh, it's a it's a love song. Um, I haven't put anything out uh, in a handful of years uh, myself, and from doing co-writing and doing the graphic design thing, um, uh, I kind of slacked off on just uh, putting things out there. And uh, so this one was uh, something that I was like, well, I got I got to do it. Jump in the studio with one of my buddies, Thomas Dove, here in Nashville, and we uh, got it done. And it was kind of all I had was a little demo. And um, we uh, whatever we came out with was gonna come out, so mm-hmm. that's what came out. It's awesome, for, for sure. It's it's like a cosmic love song. <laughs> it is a me. little bit. That's yeah. kind of like the vibe it gets uh, when I listen to it. Definitely check it out. It's so good. Is this a, is this gonna be hopefully the beginning of of more music coming out? Yes, there definitely is plans uh, in the works to release a handful of at least singles this mm-hmm. this year, maybe four or five. Um, there might be an EP in there uh, if I can if I can tack on some other projects. Um, but def- definitely more music. Yeah, and potentially stories down uh, the road as well. Absolutely. I cool. mean, if I could, if, if you find the time in your life, <laughs> if there's a way to combine them, that would be really cool. Sure. It would be cool to to release like an EP and like a, an attached uh, story, a short story or something along those lines. Totally. Um, You're, we're brainstorming this live right now. This yeah. is big. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I'm already excited to hear whatever that is. And obviously, I've heard some of the demos of your other songs too. They sound great. Uh, excited to hear the the masters uh, of those for sure. But check out uh, Into Your Sun. Again, so so good. Um, but thank you for for hanging out with me. This was, this went a little bit long, so I appreciate you guys listening. If you if you've made it here with us for the long haul, um, but hopefully you've gotten some good insight into uh, into writing and into into songwriting and into storytelling as well. Yeah, thanks but, for thanks for having me. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening and stay toasty. I think that's pretty good. I just did that live. I'm gonna say that. Stay toasty, guys. Stay toasty. Do you say guys afterwards? Is it- Stay toasty, people. <laughs>
friends. It feels a little bit like a Dos Equis commercial. Stay toasty, friends. Stay toasty, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Uh, you have a you have a really good beard though right now, so your beard game is strong. Uh, so it feels like it maybe you could pull that off. Stay toasty, my friends. Not bad. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye.